0: Welcome to machine learning. You know, I uh, I was actually pretty excited yesterday. Uh, again, looking at uh, that wind, um, I started thinking about how it was a really a time series problem. So there's basically three coefficients that you have, uh, relative humidity, uh, temperature, and the wind speed. And there were other things like dew point and max temperature, max wind, wind, min-wind, min-temperature, things like that where you could get some variance. Um, But uh, I started thinking about it, and I wanted to see if there was a correlation between relative humidity and uh, temperature and the resulting wind speed. And so when I started thinking about that, I realized it was a multivariant regression problem. And uh, so I I wanted to see, I did some checks to see if there was some correlation on the uh, two variables between relative humidity and temperature, if they were correlated. And I really couldn't see, I I, I plotted them out, uh, and, looked to see if there was any correlation. It didn't really seem like there was, um, because sometimes you had high temperature and low humidity. But as the temperature went up, the humidity and the temperature seemed to com- uh, the humidity seemed to decrease as the temperature got hotter. Um, so it's at one point there seemed to be maybe some correlation, but in another uh, set of Temperatures. There, there was no correlation, and so basically, I, I didn't think that the, the data didn't support over a large data set uh, that there was correlation between temperature and relative humidity. So when you first when you're thinking of that, you think, "Oh, well, there's there's no no uh, no, no correlation there." Well, so you can calculate variance by taking the mean of, let's say, temperature you take temperature minus the mean and that'll give you the variance uh... and then you can uh... uh... that'll give you dx and then you can take dx times dx and get the uh... uh you can use that to get the standard deviation and, and then once you have the standard deviation you can divide that into the standard deviation into uh... X, and that will normalize X. So that what that does is it creates a a, a Gaussian distribution curve, and uh, then you you can do things like uh, uh, increase the sampling, and so you can get a, a more simu, You can simulate it, so you can simulate your population by random sampling. Well, I didn't I didn't put it into that. I didn't plot out my ECDF or anything like that, but, uh, I, I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about how I could do this, uh, in terms of multivariate regression. And so I, I, I loaded in my OLS uh, class for classifier, ordinary least square, uh, ordered least square algorithm. And um, it was able to re- calculate and return to me the slope equations. And so what I did then is I got the the slope equation, which is for the multivariate, which is really a t- Taylor series. Now, if you remember back in calculus, which uh, you know I'm looking at some of my old notes in in uh, calculus, is the Taylor series starts out with a of zero times plus a of one to um, raise to the second uh, power and then you take the next one a of two raised to the um, third power and that becomes uh, what they call a Taylor series. And the Taylor series can be used to uh, fit any curve profile given that you know what the a of zero, the intercept is, ae of uh, 1 which is your your slope or of the linear equation Uh, ae of 2 which is uh, the next variable which would be x squared which would then change it from uh, linear to a nonlinear equation so now you're in a nonlinear which would be in a curve and so forth Uh, and those, those polynomial, if you know what those coefficients are, then you can uh, effectively curve fit. So it's also true then if you have a nonlinear equation that you could form this Taylor series and you could then calculate uh, based on that Taylor series what the curve would look like. And um, so uh, I, I then took the coefficients and uh, put them into a uh, equation, and then I plotted out that equation, um, and was able to see that uh, the uh, that the as the temperature was increasing and the humidity was um, decreased there so there was higher humidity then the wind speed slowed down and i could see that from uh, the graphs i created a bunch of graphs based on on that slope equation and then fed in the the values for those coefficients to see what the curve would look like and Uh, was able to see that um, that the coefficients resulted in a a curve Um, and so it fits the Taylor series definition that they can fit any curve so um, and that's uh, so even though the data didn't correlate it still was interesting in other words uh, Temperature and relative humidity didn't correlate. It was still interesting to see that those two coefficients, or those two different uh, uh, variables, on the on the polynomial, did affect the wind speed. And it kind of makes sense that because wind is as a fluid, and so it's it's moving because of thermal currents so there's energy in the system and as the energy in the system increases it should uh, cause thermal currents and so there's you know the, the cool of the earth and moving against the hot of this air and, and uh, it's creating a swirl just kind of like when you have swirls that are moving in liquids like pour one Liquid into another, there's kind of this swirling effect or just uh, entropy things are d- diffusing into the system, so it's going from hot to cold, and the hot molecules are diffusing into the cold uh, molecules. Now, I've never taken thermal dynamics, so I don't understand you know the differentials of what's going on there, but it does seem like that wind is a thermodynamic uh, phenomenon. So that's kind of the neat thing about physics, you know. It's physics uh, explains a lot of our natural world around us, and and uh, we gain an understanding um, through the equations of how the world is interacting. I remember when I was in uh, college and I was taking a physics course, and I we got to talking about uh, friction coefficients, and and then you had a a diagram where they showed you an angle of incline and then you had something pushing against uh, that object and it was generating a force and you calculated how much force that it was generating uh, up the incline, incline, how how much more force was required. And then you had a coefficient, friction coefficient, to to see um, what your velocity was. So based on a friction coefficient and a force vector, then you can calculate your velocity as you moved over it, moved that object over the surface. And I, I thought that was really interesting, uh, you know. Uh, and then we did conservation of energy and conservation of momentum. and saw some of those universal laws that Newton had described and um, For me it was the first time i had seen how equations actually relate to real life and uh because up to this point a lot of mathematics was just functions and that's kind of the aha moment i had with the taylor series is i never understood when i was in college what the taylor series was and i remember taking my first exam on it and not doing well at all because i didn't understand it and so i went into the professor and talk to him and, uh, he, uh, uh, he explained that, uh, he explained how to do the Taylor series, but I still didn't understand what their usefulness was. And then, uh, today I was looking at uh, a video on, on linear modeling and, uh, the author was saying the Taylor series are everywhere and especially in mathematics and so he explained how the Taylor series was used to uh, calculate use the coefficients of a curve fitting algorithm and I was like wow that's great we can use Taylor series everywhere and um, because you're You can do, uh, and I guess in some ways, least squares uh, curve fitting is probably a Taylor series. I'll have to look at that again, but I'm sure it follows the general form of a polynomial and therefore it would be a Taylor series. But uh, kind of another aha moment there because I've used these terms before when I've done curve fitting, ray tracing and also curve fitting when I've used uh, gradient descent um, you can you do do different numerical methods to approximate uh, the polynomial looking for a global minimum and uh, it uh, uh, seems to me that uh, that you could use a numerical method to get to your roots. And that's what you do with ray tracing is there's uh, different techniques you can use, like you can use a tangential uh, convergence where you're just measuring the slope of the line, looking where slope is equal to zero for a solution. Or you can do secant and, and then you can do differential equations where you're looking at acceleration where velocity is how fast things are changing and then you want to get to acceleration equal to zero and that's your local min so there's different math uh, functions that are used in AI machine learning and uh, but um, their basic form again probably goes back to that Taylor series so there's some interesting connections there. That's one thing I love about math is you know it's it's a very large field of study, lots of different ways to look at things, but in the end, you it math helps you. It's a language for communicating ideas, and uh, that that's one reason I like uh, mathematics is it. Once you understand it, it's kind of like a function. It, it just works, and you can use that function to explain a lot of different phenomena. And I think that uh, in business, there's a lot of time series data, like there, you know, like when things post, uh, when things are due, when things are uh, overdue, and you can do some analysis to figure out predictions of whether or not you're going to make a payment on time based on historical data. You can look at the, uh, deviation from the mean to see, uh, if you can make a prediction on, on, on the cost of being overdue on those payments. And so just like we're doing multivariant prediction, uh, with, uh, temperature and wind speed it might be also possible to look at uh, accounts payable from the same standpoint so there's some parallels here I'm starting to think about and uh, I'm sure there's other people that have done similar things Uh, but that's kind of the nature of data science is that you you have to start practicing answering questions from the data, about the data. And uh, that's, that's really important as you move forward uh, into your career as a data scientist. And as I look at, uh, look at the career path, it's interesting because if you take your data science and take all the courses in data science, then you look at the next one career path, which is data analytics. There's uh, only a few more courses that you need to take in data analytics that are not covered in data science. And then you you go to data engineering, and then you, you spend more time looking at dimensions and dimension reductions and uh, you get better, bigger views of what the data um, is doing, like with K clustering and uh, different, different uh, grouping algorithms. Well, so there you have it: multivariate uh, regression and OLS, getting the coefficients for the polynomial that can be used to. Uh, build your curve, and from that you can visually inspect uh, if there's correlation in your data.